I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. It's a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language for what motivates us and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram's a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name's Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram ninja. Hello. My man. Hey. Since it's a tool for navigating relationships... Mm. We might employ that tool in, say, a series on relationships. Hey, what an idea. We've, wanted, we've been talking relationships a, a lot over the past year, but this is the topic today that I've really wanted to talk about. It's just been in my back pocket consistently. Yeah, you've been uh, bringing this one up for a long time. I think it's because this was one of the first things I learned about the Enneagram that blew my mind. Mm, sure. <laughs> and, and it just hasn't found its spot in the lineup until now. Well, it's also your it's it's not it like it's mind blowing, but it's not super applicable to you. True. Uh, we're talking about relationships. We're going to put special emphasis today on romantic relationships, though this isn't exclusive. But I like the angle of romantic relationships here. And who doesn't like talking about romance? Lots of people don't like it, but. That's we're we're would... going to pretend like they're not listening today. <laughs> well, it would also include me, <laughs> which I have said in the past. Prudish one that I am. C.S. Lewis notes that where friendship is a shoulder-to-shoulder relationship, we're going somewhere. Romance is a face-to-face relationship that lovers are concerned with one another, whereas friends often are concerned with some activity, something they share. Romantic partners share one another, and that's how they connect. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be talking about relationships on the lines today. So each of the types have a stress and a security number. Many of you will know this. Um, if you want an intro into this, we did a huge series on it at the beginning of 2023, uh, just called Stress and Security. So if you're unfamiliar, I highly recommend you go there. But for our purposes here... Many of us have relationships with people who are the type of our stress number or who are the type of our security number. And it's the the dynamics between us are affected because of that. And one of the things that TJ and I have talked about frequently, especially because TJ is in a marriage with someone who is on a line with him, is the dynamics in relationships, specifically in romantic relationships, of sharing a line. And how does that affect you? And how does that affect the relationship itself? And I find this deeply fascinating. And so so that's where we're going. What you got by way of intro here? Yeah, I think uh, we, we are going to sort of put an emphasis on the romantic side of this, but I think a lot of this also applies to, to people that you're really close to. Uh, this isn't necessarily like the coworker that you only see once or twice a, a, a week, but... Uh, like if you're really close with your sibling, then you talk to them every day, and 
or you have like a best friend that you live with and, and like you make decisions together, but you're not necessarily like involved. The, the, I, I think this is good wisdom for all intentional, really close partnerships. Uh, even though we are going to be emphasizing the romantic side of it. That's a good word. We spoke about this in our Zoom meeting with the people who we meet with once a month last night. And as you were just saying, it was uh, the people that came up most in the conversation were either romantic partners or siblings. Mm, yeah. And that that intimacy is worth naming and the dynamics are at hand. Yep. So... As an entry point here, I remember very early on when I just heard about Enneagram, getting into it, and I asked you a question about stress and security, and you were, as a nine, talking about your wife who's a six, and in that move, you were talking about going to six and how important she was in your life, because in the move to six, when you spoke about going there, you noted that Joni is incredibly helpful because she lives there. Right, right. And and that really has just stuck with me since. It's like, oh, yeah, people who are healthy in your stress number, they live there and know how to swim in those waters. Right. So when you go there kind of awkwardly, stumbling, bumbling, things are breaking, now you're, you're in your stress number, uh, that person can be incredibly helpful. Right, right. It's like... Uh, like my my wife and I went to Mexico for our honeymoon and we didn't really, you know, leave the four block radius of the hotel that we stayed at because we didn't know where we were and we didn't speak the language very well and we didn't know what we were doing and also we didn't really want to go out anywhere. But when you went to Spain all those years ago, you saw a bunch of stuff because you had family there and you connected mm -hmm. with people who just lived there and they knew where to take you and show you around and this is the things to avoid and here's how you navigate these streets and blah, blah, blah. Like it, it's, it's like when you have to go somewhere, it's nice to have someone who lives there to show you around. On the flip side, I want to say in middle school, early high school, the first couple girls that I pursued or even dated were sevens. Is there, there's something attractive to me about this person. Sure. And they represent my security number. And it's almost like I want to be with, united with, you know, somebody who has that kind of energy. Mm -hmm. And that would be the flip side of this is that sometimes we move into relationships where that person lives in our stress number. But other times the person is in our security number. And that experience also ought to be named what's going on there in terms of the people in our life who you know, live in security space. Right. So, so that's where we're going today. Great. Um, do you have thoughts on the security move? I, I've, I noted in my, I don't know how to necessarily talk about this just yet. And so I'm, I'm excited for this conversation, but I'm, I'm a one. My security number is seven. Sevens pull people into adventure. So I think in my mind, I think that all the, of our security numbers, the person is pulling you into security, but that may not be the, case i assume because not yeah, all types pull yeah i don't think that's that's necessarily the case at all As, especially when we're talking about uh types that move to a withdrawn number in their uh 
in their security move. I think it it depends a lot on on what that movement actually looks like. I think for you, moving into adventure is is an accurate way to describe that. For me, nines moving into three in our security type, there like people pull me into a, a sense of like performing and and doing the the things that need to get done and um and and excellence. Uh, it's really easy for me to you know not care about doing things and and there's there's a sense of excellence that comes out of of doing things well and uh so for us i think that's a that's not an inaccurate description but i think there are a lot of types out there that are moving into places where they actually need to slow down this will be a big part i think of our conversation as well is a lot of the dynamics are going to be highly influenced by stance Mm mm-hmm and the stance of your partner, the stance of the people who are closest to you really have an effect on you when you're going to stress, when you go into security. So yep. that's where we're at. In order to get into this, we're going to start with the body triad. What we'll do is talk about eights. Now, eights stress move is to five, so we'll talk about the relationships between eights and fives. Uh, we'll talk about the stress move of nines. Nine stress move is to six. So we'll talk about the relationship between nines and six. And one's stress move is to four. So we'll talk about that pairing as well. Uh, in the midst of this, we'll also obviously be talking about five, sixes, and fours. So their inner life, how they're moving into security. And so that's going to be this podcast. It, it just be structured around the body types. Um, but really we're, we're hitting six of the nine types today. And then we'll, we'll probably make this a three part series and hit all three centers over time. So eight's moving to five in, uh, in the, in our monthly, uh, meeting last night had four people who identified either as a five or an eight, three of them were married to one of, one of these types. So Mm -hmm. we had two fives who were married to eights, one eight who was married to a five. And so three out of four. <laughs> and so this is a really common pairing apparently. And I think as we talk through it, you will see why. So it's worth naming and, and jumping into the things that, that are different. These are very different types and yet complementary. Yeah. The thing that I'm going to start with what they share and perhaps you can build on this, but both fives and eights are going to expect rejection in relationships. Both fives and eights are going to connect through, you know, through offering what they have, either protection or, you know, advisement, knowledge. Um, Both types seem to really enjoy a good debate, like Mm, getting into those spaces. Um, Both types seem to really be aware of boundaries and dislike intrusion. Both types seem to need some personal space. And they both can take a, a stoic posture toward the world. And especially in the eights moving towards five space, you'll see them both having a little being, you know, more nihilistic at times. Mm. And um, and they're both when wanting to assault others, they can both t- understand and target others vulnerabilities. Yeah. And uh, those are just uh, those are some commonalities. Breaking. Do you have any thoughts on on the, the commonalities there? Yeah, I think there's a um, 
a, a, a sort of through line of uh, th- there's a lot of whether intentional or not, there's a lot of sacrificing feelings to the altar of logic. Mm. Uh, and I, I don't know that that's necessarily always accurate, but I think a lot, a lot of fives and eights will describe the way that they think they behave as putting irrational feelings aside when rational logic is uh, disagrees. They they think that they they are doing the most logical thing all the time, right? One of the things that will become very obvious here is like the relationships to feelings comes out of the fact that neither one of them are in the heart center, right? And so you're gonna have a fives who are gonna be more intellectually dominant, eights more body intuitionally dominant, and so how how do you relate to your your your, your feelings? Exactly right. Mm-hmm. On the opposite side, you're going to see fives who will have a tendency to step away from others, whereas eights have a tendency when entering a room to fill the space with their presence. Yeah. There's the move for fives to retreat into their imagination, whereas eights have a tendency to really engage and physically experience the world yeah and even Um, to the point that like in me working my experience working with a lot of eights it's they they can't use their imagination to envision something different from the way that they already see it yeah yeah they have to experience it physically in order for it to become real to them yeah i love that on that front there's a lot of preparation that happens in the mind of a five before mm-hmm. acting mm-hmm. and that's not how things work with eights Absolutely eights are not. are going yeah whatever preparation um, ha- has already taken place yeah the five is ready aim aim again maybe aim a third time and mm-hmm. the the eight comes with the assault rifle and yeah. we're firing what are we sucker. waiting for let's go yeah <laughs> <laughs> there is a i think that they're both want to have strength uh, like a conquest but fives want the mental conquest and the eights want the physical somatic conquest Mm -hmm. that can be psychological that can be like this intuitive domination but fives want to be strong in their mind yeah and there's a there's a sense of fullness on both sides it's 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 the fullness of uh, the intensity with eights and it's the fullness of of totality with the fives. They they mm-hmm. want the completeness. They want all of the information. They want to see the full picture. And and I think that like leaning on on that idea of fullness, the completeness, uh, totality for for both types is will help understand that a little bit. Yep. That big picture comes into play. Uh, with fives really being aware of future threats, they need to shore up the resources to meet those, whereas eights will be much more aware of, here's what the physical threat is. What is it that might thwart my will Mm -hmm. in the moment? But still a pretty decisive emphasis on future, looking toward what's coming down the pipeline. This is, I suppose, worth naming here because they both do have that anchor in the future. Fives are taking in the world through the future, through their head. Eights are, through their stance, their future problem solvers. Right. 
But the eight is aware. Is it not the case that eight is aware of the power dynamics in the moment? And if things are not going well, I need to skip to next Tuesday to figure out how to win in that space. And then I will retake control. Well, I think it comes back to that, like ready, aim, aim versus ready, fire, fire. It's mm-hmm. like the, the five wants to prepare for the possibilities of the future. The eight is already doing the work to get through those possible futures, but there's still the, it's, uh, it's like you said, it's it's taking in the world, five is scanning what might be coming and, and sort of stepping back and, and making a plan for what might be coming. And the eight is just leaning into it. Just diving head first and going for whatever things yep. they think are on the horizon. I suppose cutting, like how you're engaging the future may come back to just those primary motives of the five wanting security and the, the eight yep. wanting control. Yep. And then that's going to be a big thing. They may both be focused on the future, but for very different reasons. Mm -hmm. Speaking then about romantic couples of this sort, this is, this isn't binding and I haven't done the study, but like just wanted to throw out a couple of names that strike me in pop culture is here, here might be what this looks like, right? And the, the, if you got a chance to see the fantastic Sherlock series on uh, the BBC, this the relationship between Sherlock Holmes and Irene Adler would be a great example of this. We've mm, we've typed yeah. Sherlock consistently as a five, but Irene Adler in that show is a dominatrix. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> and the um, the incontrolledness of that personality in all things voracious, dare we say, lustful sexual um, expression into the world, filling the space. Um, there's one scene where he walks into a room and she's uh, naked and he can't figure her out because she is essentially overpowering the space that he's used to possessing. And have you seen this show? Yeah. And, and she also is like the, the fact of being naked. She, she knows that she's taking his power and, and not because of the sexuality of it, but because she knows that this is part of how he reads people. And she's she's stealing that power from him. Yep. Yeah. Because she needs to be in control. <laughs> she puts uh, she hacks his phone and and places like a, a very a, dare we say like an orgasmic sound as his text alert. Yeah. Like there's ownership there. Uh-huh. There's and it's of a very. I mean, that's not necessarily it, crass, but... But it, it is designed to make other people uncomfortable. It's designed yes. to make him uncomfortable. Right. And and in that way, she still has power over him. I think that's a great, you know, example of the dynamics here, mm-hmm. of the romance. And you can see the withdrawnness of Sherlock, the assertiveness of Adler, and how that may that may play out. And the full acknowledgement um, on both parties that there is a, a very intense and very serious connection between them, but neither of them is prepared to embrace the reality of the emotional impact that that relationship would have on their lives. Yep. So they are sacrificing their their own feelings for the sake of the things that they are doing. Yeah, exactly right. 
that creates a lot of the tension yeah. in the episode yep. that they're part of. It's good. Only other ones that kind of came to mind, this is secondary. It's your favorite romantic couple, uh, one Cassie and Andor and Jen Erso from Rogue One and Star Wars. Strike me as a five and an eight. <laughs> but to speak to siblings. talk about it. It makes me so mad. <laughs> when we did The Godfather, if we talk about siblings, we, we type Michael Corleone as a five and Sonny Corleone as an eight. Yeah. And there were, there's going to be some of that dynamic that's just great. There's a rich relationship there. But as you were saying, the feelings of that relationship, just the, there's just a br- there are brief experiences of that in the film. Mm-hmm. Um. The only other ones I had was there. If you get into, I bring up Warren Buffett all the time, but his partner in crime is a man named Charlie Munger. If you ever see them, they're like two 90 year olds who have an annual <laughs> stockholder meeting and like 50,000 people show up to watch these 90 year olds a- answer business questions. Sure. <laughs> and yeah. that dynamic, they strike me as brothers as well. It's, it's, a, it's a worthy uh, pr- potential uh, real world example. But in relationship, though, we have talked about withdrawn types and aggressive types being more of a yin-yang. That's the immovable object and the irresistible force. Yeah. And that dynamic will be at play in a romantic relationship between fives and eights. Yeah, absolutely. It seems to me on the, on the positive side, before we get into what the two can learn from each other, this sort of relationship, I think, really requires investment. But once the investment is there... Fives and eights, when they partner up, are a formidable pair. Like if they're on the same page and united, you know, if the eight is me and the needs of the five, the five is committed, persistent loyalty to the eight. That that combination, the, this can be a very strong pairing in my mind. Yeah. And I think they can also navigate uh, when when these two have built a foundation, they can also navigate some of the, the trickier parts of their relationship in in really fascinating ways, simply because they represent some of the things that the other need so severely, like the 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 ability to recognize that they are are both sort of secretive and, and they're not really forthcoming with the things that are going on inside their head or, uh, or especially what's, what is happening in their feeling center. Um, and, and like establishing the need for security and safety and, and control the, like they are both sort of relatively similarly concerned about a lot of these things and and they provide that for each other and and even when they are at odds in in what they're trying to navigate they can have the kinds of fights that they need to have without much trouble an eight and a two are gonna fight very differently from an eight and a five an eight and a four or or a nine which is the only combination that people don't recommend uh, but the 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 ways that eights and fives sort of communicate their fights is going to be can often be like really really good for each other because they can just talk about get down to the facts and and skip a lot of the those silly emotions that the rest of us bring to the table mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we went through that list of how the two types are different 
And what we'll notice is that when the eight moves to five, that five list is going to all of a sudden emerge. Yep. This is why here would be the big the big idea for, for us. If you have a healthy person who is in your stress number, this can be a treasure because they can show you the best ways you know, to elevate that type's strengths, uh, navigate the world. And so notice this with eights. Eights going into stress will need, will move out of their body and much more into their head, refocusing on preparation, refocusing on how do I think about the, the problems that I'm having? Because if an eight goes to five space, that means they're not able to have control in the spaces that they want control. Right. That's why they're stressed out. Something has broken. They, they lack agency. And so the move to stress means I can't physically do it anymore. If I could have physically done it, I wouldn't be stressed out. Right. So what do you do when you can't physically do it? I'm going to move. I'm going to withdraw into a space where I get my head around the problems that my physical body is experiencing. And notice if you have a five in your life who lives there in that withdrawn mental space, that observational space, that could be just a huge treasure of the five saying, this is how you think through these things, kid, you know, and, and re-engage. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, also the, the, non-attached space the big picture kind of space the, the uh, so much of what an eight can get from that five space from from like and just seeing someone else model it and talk through it and and be be present to it in a way that's non-threatening um like fives can say okay so so here's the problem that you're facing and here are a list of different possibilities that you couldn't have considered before because you were so attached to your one way your one way isn't working and let me show you the list of other options and and you could pick whichever you want because i don't care and we can solve this problem together quite right a lot of times to build on that eights end up moving into stress when their relationships break and oftentimes the relationships that break for eights is they don't understand their effect on other people, as mm -hmm. we said. The thing about fives is fives are able to think about their emotions. And sometimes that is, that's a thing that, that eights lack. lack uh, eights are feeling repressed and have a very difficult time seeing their own emotional life outside of their anger. Right. But fives can see their own emotional life. Right. And they may not reveal their own emotional life, but they can see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's and, a like like eights will often be feeling very big emotions, but not really having good thinking around it. Right. Um. Be, so they're like because they are repressed in that feeling space, they don't really know how to deal with a lot of those emotions that they are experiencing. And a, a lot of eights will report that they feel all feelings as anger first. And they have to go through the process of, of discerning what those feelings are in order to understand what's actually happening. And that's kind of where, like, that's one of the places where fives live, is yep. just thinking about the things and categorizing it. Having that be a, a net you fall into in stress for the eight can be real helpful. If I'm, 
I'm entering a space. It may feel uncomfortable, but if you can get used to it, build up those muscles, balance mm -hmm. yourself as we talk about with stress and security, getting a sense of your inner life and seeing your inner life can be incredibly important. And also in five space, you can see your effect on other people. Right. And that's another very valuable thing that eights can pick up in five space. Right. I think that both fives and eights are very are, are the are types that are more comfortable being alone than other than a lot of other types. Um, they're neither of them have a, a direct center in the in the that feeling space, and and they're just you know they're they're comfortable on their own. They they get more stuff done on their own, and uh, I I think that relationship between a five and an eight provides some of that connection that that neither of them necessarily admit that they need, but it's sort of a stepping stone teaching them how to do relationships well with other types. Right. Yep. It's a good word. Last thing on my list is that where eights can lustfully you know, blow through all of their resources, you know, can have that more voracious appetite for the, you know, the intense experience. Mm -hmm. Fives will hoard. Right. And that can be really valuable if, you know, if you have, if you have wasted your resources as it were as an eight and you find yourself in stress and just the habit of saying, you know what, I need to do a better job of stockpiling Right. And, and not even necessarily like I, I think of that also in terms of, of not necessarily like financial or material resources, but also the other things that like eights being a little too willing to to give away their time and their energy to things that are not serving them. Or you might even say are not uh, good uses of their resources uh, fives like that, that presence of the five in their life saying, Oh no, we're not going to that event because we, we don't have the, we, we need to save that for something more important. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We're going to hear that same language when we talk about threes and nines, because mm. threes are going to make the same move. They're an aggressive type, but in stress, they withdraw into nine space. Right. Similar, similar move here for the nine right. or for the eight. On the flip side, then, one of the things that eights really offer to fives is pulling them out of some of these spaces, pulling them out of their imagination, for example. And again, I don't know if the word pulling is right, but certainly the invitation to get into your body is something that an eight may emphasize mm -hmm. to a withdrawn five, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that like this is one of the things that eights pretty much do with everyone in their lives is is get up and do the thing. Uh, they're 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 big uh, yeah pullers. Uh, and I I think that's yeah I think that's a, a a big part of how what eights bring to the table in most of their relationships. But especially when thinking about fives moving into security. They see the example of the eight in front of them and say, okay, it's not, it's not just about planning. It's actually about doing all of the things. And not only that, but, but man, if I can just attach my, my rope, if it were, to, 
to this person who's constantly going, then even if I nap while being pulled along every once in a while, I'll still get a lot more done. Like there's there's a, a well of energy available from the eight that is just unmatched. Yeah. So where fives are aiming all the time, you know, the eight is saying, pull the trigger. It's it's go time. Fives are one of those types that they they have some very tricky ways of getting into the present. Mm-hmm. If you if you were to look at the Enneagram map, they just don't have much of an anchor in the present. Mm-hmm. But this is one of them. This yep. is one of the places where they can if they if they push into their security space or engage their security space, it it's an invitation to be physically present um, and to do things. And with an emphasis on the future that they're already sort of looking toward anyway. Yeah. I suppose it may be kind of boring at some level, but this this is commonly the case with fours, fives, and nines that in terms of getting, elevating your repressed center means getting into your body. And that's just going to be the the constant refrain for all three of these types is what does it look like for you to, to engage your body? Right. This, by the way, just as special emphasis, uh, say it is the case that you fall into your stress number. You're in your stress number. One of the best things you can do is not focus on getting secure again, but just in getting centered. So for eights who are in stress, don't try to employ and engage your tools at two. Really moving out of stress for an eight just means getting back into your body again. Right. And that will be, that's what you're, you know, you're, you're getting your mind around things so that you can re-engage your physicality. Anything else on this couple? I think, uh, like, we did talk a lot about um, the five sort of example of understanding that feeling space. But I think it, a five and an eight together, it could potentially be very easy for their relationship to become almost void of their emotional investment. Uh, I, I think both types could see like focusing on the material world being the thing that sort of carries them through. And then 20 years later, they find that they haven't really talked about anything going on deeper than that in 20 years. And, and now they have no connection anymore, except that their history. And I think there's, there's a, a really serious, uh, there is space for this, t- this pair to, to lose connection by not allowing their emotional centers to develop together. Mm. Yeah. This is where I saying any pairing, uh, of, of types has what we might call kind of a predictable way that they're probably going to fail if they fail. Right. Um, the fantastic folks at the Enneagram Institute have put together whatever it is, 54 pages of how each of the types relate to uh, the other types. Mm-hmm. So eights and fives, ones and ones, nines and sixes, et cetera. And they start with real optimistic, like this yeah. is what they bring to the relationship. This is how they're complimentary. If things are going to work, this is what it looks like. And then they just do the slow descent. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, if things break, it's probably going to look like this. Right. And, right. And, and that's unavoidable. Yeah. But I think you're right. That's it. That's exactly what it looks like. 
I suppose uh, one one last word on this, which I forgot to mention. Uh, so on the Enneagram Institute, if you just put into the Google machine, if you just put Enneagram three and eight, let's say, yep. whatever your say, whatever relationship you're in, you want to know the dynamics between you and this other person. Sure. Just put in Enneagram one and two, or four and seven, whatever the numbers are. If you know the your type and their type, and what almost always pops up first is the Enneagram Institute page detailing the relationship between those two. Sure. Incredibly helpful resource. Yeah. And it's and it can be very easy to find. So just in case you're like, I'm not a five or an eight, you know, I'm kind of bored by this podcast. You should try this out. It's really great. Right. Right. But speaking of another pair, uh, let's bring up your pair. <laughs> We're moving to the nines. The nines stress move is to six, and uh, lots to say about this pair as well. Fives and eights, real common pairing. Sixes and nines, maybe one of the most common of all the romantic pairings out there. This is, uh, again, common pairing, right? and we'll see why. I don't know about most common, but I've certainly let's... met a handful of them. <laughs> Both sixes and nines attached to those who provide what they need. They're both space creators. Nines want to create calm. Sixes want to create safety for the people they care about. Um, both seem to be, and this I think is one of the main reasons they connect, is they both seem averse to too much change too quickly. Yeah. Both can find it difficult to say what's on their mind, but that can create, that can create both calm and peace over the long term but it also means that there might be some unstated issues. One commentator said that both sixes and nines disappear in their social role. And I thought that was interesting. Mm, yeah, that's good. The reason I think that matters is that when the six and nine return home and talk about how things are going, they understand one another feeling at times invisible out there. Mm -hmm. But together they understand each other. And perhaps even see each other. Yeah. And and I imagine that would be valuable. Yeah. Uh, sixes and nines seem to avoid the anger of other people. And I think there's like an, an unspoken at times desire of both these types to have their voice honored at the table. And so again, when they retreat, sixes and nines honor one, each other's voices, but in their social spaces... Sixes and nines, I think, have a harder time gaining the attention of the room. Right. Yeah, there's a... Um, Suzanne talks about this a lot, especially... Suzanne Sabil talks about this a lot, especially recently, uh, over the last few years. The the idea that, like, it culturally, socially, um, world events-wise, we are... Humanity is at a point right now where we need nines who see both sides of every argument and sixes who have the common good in mind more thoroughly than any other type. We need to hear their voices now and we need them to, to speak up. Uh, humanity needs sixes and nines to speak up because we're the ones who actually can bridge some of the gaps that are that are so heinous and, and creating so many problems for all of us, and and this is getting right to the heart of what you're talking about. That the idea that we sixes and nines 
don't want to insert ourselves into those places. Don't want to be the one who says, Oh, I know what to do in this conflict. We, we, it's almost like we need to be dragged into the arena before we'll start joining the fight. Yep. I think it was the Enneagram Institute page that essentially said that sixes and nines can often find themselves living together on the edges. Mm -hmm. And that's a great opposite image of that. You have to be dragged (laughs) into the middle. Um, Well, the differences here are really important to note as well. Uh, The sixes have more of an agitated energy at times where Mm -hmm. nines obviously have that easygoing energy. Yeah, and that can be complimentary, but it's and it's worth naming. Yeah. Um, sixes are going to commonly magnify problems that they observe, whereas nines are going to ignore the problems or downplay the problems. Right, it's flipping over a magnifying glass. Uh, sixes will voice their concerns. Nines, I don't know that it's always known of nines, but in my experience, there's there's much more of a close to the vest hiding of concerns. Mm-hmm. For the most part, yeah. Uh, just center wise, sixes are are motivated by security, want predictability. Nines want stability. Yeah. Nines want to to be in in control and autonomous. To to go to the time orientation, it's sixes are going to be focused on the future and what can we do now to alleviate you know future concerns. Nines are are focused almost exclusively with present concerns. Yeah. If things are going, if things are not going well in the present moment, we probably don't need to worry about it too much. Say that again. That didn't make any sense. Present threats are what nines care about most. Future threats are what sixes care about most. Yeah. But I don't think nines even care that much about present threats. Threats Because we're resistant to the present. Yeah. Well, I suppose that would be it. If, If somebody is encroaching your space in sense of uh, stability. Yeah, but know. even that, we'll, we'll just take it for, <laughs> for a while <laughs> before it, like, until it becomes a real problem. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I think a, a better way to sort of characterize what you're trying to get at is that sixes are going to be focused and vocal and, and uh, sort, of, sort of zeroing in on the future threats and the possibilities of, of things that might go wrong in front of them. And nines aren't even paying enough attention to what's happening now, let alone thinking about what might come. Right. Maybe threats isn't the right word. It's is disconnection a threat. Yeah, but we're not paying enough attention to, to what's happening to recognize that disconnection is, like that, that. What actually causes disconnection? Uh, yeah, that works. Uh, it seems that sixes want others to share their. I don't want to use the word pessimism, but certainly their their awareness of what might break. Mm-hmm. And and almost like validating their their sense of it. It's it's they because they don't trust themselves. They need external sources to say, oh, yeah, this is a thing that we should be worrying about um, to, to help them understand, like, what is where I should put my attention. I'd be curious, are nines wanting others to share their own 
optimism, their own positive outlook. Um, I mean, you could do whatever you want, just so long as you don't bother me with it. Yeah. <laughs> there is a problem at hand with your daughter, and do you want her to be positive about the problem at hand? I want her to be holistically embracing whatever is the current energy. Okay, yeah. If there if there's a problem that we need to fix, then let's fix the problem. If there's not a problem that we need to fix, then we shouldn't be focusing on problems. That the, the latter is what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. We don't yeah. need to focus on this yeah, problem. It's fine. It doesn't need want, to be fixed. Uh, it's fine. Want to want your daughter to take a positive outlook here. Yeah. The <laughs> the big one it's it's a, uh, almost overwhelming is that sixes are earners and nines are withdrawers and this yep. is how they are in the world. Yep. Have uh, brought it up in the past, but I think it, I, I I have only one set of names for this pairing. I can't find any couples of this sort except for one and it's and it's rocky and adrian who are a fantastic i I think embodiment of the the nine six energy i don't disagree with you but i also think that like that that sort of speaks for itself because if that movie was about rocky and adrian it would Mm -hmm. be so boring it would be just it would just be so boring what what's it about it's it's about Someone who is working to, like, it, it's it's much more about boxing than it is oh, about I see what a you're romance. You know, it's it's because there's there's nines as withdrawers. We're not compelling in stories as as leads. It just we're we're kind of boring, which is fine. We like it that way. You need to go back and watch this. <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> That's the uh, I I find I find Rocky highly rewatchable and uh, yeah. deeply compelling. Yes, <laughs> but if it was just a rom a rom com, like if it was true, a true movie enough. that was no. supposed to be about their relationship, it would be really boring. I th- there, I mean, there's you should rewatch it. It's a, there's a lot of that. Here's here's one of the things though, and this is uh, perhaps where the the movie gets its energy is everybody in that movie tells Rocky how much his presence doesn't matter. It's like, it's like just wave after wave, after wave, after wave, after wave. And then you have the quiet girl at the pet shop. And that, that dynamic is a lot of the energy gets a lot of the movie gets its energy from that element of, you know, of, of somebody's voice, not being honored, their presence, not being honored. And, and there it is that, you know, and she's the, the, what the sister of a alcoholic brother Mm -hmm. and they find refuge in each other. And that's it. That's the story. I suppose we were just, you know, spelling out, (laughs) find (laughs) refuge in each other anyway, um, in relationship. And you can speak to this much better than I. The nine, as as we said, if you have healthy sixes in your life and the nine moves into six space, is agitated energy for a nine always bad? No, no. Sometimes it's so necessary. It's like get off your butt and do the things that need to get done. And I'm not going to stop harping you about this because you're not doing it and i you said you would do it yesterday and you didn't and 
Like there's there's a um, a sleep to life factor to nines that uh, needs to be drawn out, and it needs to be drawn out sometimes by you know regular and consistent. Uh, nagging is the wrong word, but only because it's offensive to some people. <laughs> My my wife constantly, like our entire relationship, she has been very concerned about being naggy. And I have to regularly tell her, one, you've never approached naggy. Two, it would be better for both of us if you did. Right? Like she just does not. She's so concerned about this and really is like, I just like, I I won't get stuff done if you don't remind me all the time. Because I, I I forget about it eight seconds after you tell me to do it. The the stress move occurs though for the nine when when something is broken. I imagine and your own agitated energy kicks into gear. Yeah, yeah. That that is the problem is magnified. You have you are no if 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 things were calm you wouldn't have moved into stress. Right. It's because something isn't calm that now it's it's the siren has begun to to blare in some sense and now mm-hmm. you're experiencing the agitated energy but you have a friend you have a you have a a, a lover who lives in that space yeah. who can speak to okay here's what you do with agitated energy yep and 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 like be, because that that space uh, that stress move for nines represents uh, like it it goes from like brain being shut off to brain being an overactive like wind up toy it the the six space comes along and and says okay we should be active here but here's how to be active like yeah. when exactly. nines move into that stressed place the agitation the the anxiety and the the sort of lack of appropriate thinking get a little bit emphasized and the six who lives there says, Oh, let me show you how to do this. Right. Yeah. Similar move again to what we just talked about with eights and fives. I mean, the six actually will invite the nine to get their body moving. Yeah. Right. Right. It's not just freak out about the problem. It's let's make a list about the things that we need to do. Yep. Sixes can voice their concerns in worthy and legitimate ways. Correct. Yes. And I imagine that this is something, as we, as we said, where nines are hiding their concerns. If something has authentically broken and they're in stress, that might be an invitation to really reveal some stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, and because the six lives there, the six can also not just validate, but it, it receive and accept and offer. Like I, I I found that like several times over the course of our relationship, I I hold back something that I'm sort of like freaking progressively freaking out about for too long, and then I like hit that that breaking point where I have to reveal like this is something that is bothering me, and Joni is is there to say like I understand why this is freaking you out. Mm-hmm. I I can see how this has become something that is is overwhelming. Like there's 
there's a sense of in that space of the anxiety, that space where the six lives, there's there's an isolation and a, a, a almost terror of, of spinning in that chaos of everything's going to break. And when I move into six with my spouse who lives there, I... I am offered some comfort in saying that it, you're not alone and it's okay to, to, it is completely reasonable to be fearful and it's going to be okay. Like she is able to offer me a sense of calm that I cannot manufacture because I've tried too hard to manufacture it and it hasn't worked and now I've moved into stress and she's actually able to say, yeah, stress is okay and, and, Here's here's what we yeah. do now. Welcome. This is a safe place. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it. What would this be? It's a very strange way to to reestablish calm. Mm-hmm. That I've moved into a space where someone is used to really being aware of all the things that might break. Right. And just embracing that that's how life works sometimes. And, right. Uh, and in a strange way, you're like, okay, this makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like almost like someone who lives at the eye of the storm. It's yeah. just like, oh yeah, we're surrounded by by everything is breaking constantly all the time. It, right. it this it's going to be all right. <laughs> Last thing, and this is a problem for some of us who are in relationships with nines and with fours is that the the stress move for nines and fours places them in spaces where they are moving out of withdrawn postures and moving towards being more earners. So mm-hmm. fours mo- move to two, become earners. Nines move to six, become earners. It is incumbent on many of us not to take advantage of either nines or fours in stress. I, th- I think this is just worth noting as part of that stress move it, that just needs to get named. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anything to say about having healthy people in uh, six space. Maybe they say, look, don't let people take advantage of you advantage of you in these spaces, you know? Well, and I I I I can only really speak for myself in this place, but it, if you are able to take advantage of me when I am in stress of that that sort of earning posture, then y- y- you are doing it with full knowledge because I won't let I won't let it happen without you knowing that I am deeply, <laughs> deeply unhappy with what I am being required to, that, that I'm basically giving up and just doing what's expected of me. If I am far enough in stress that you can take advantage of me, you won't be able to do it without knowing exactly what you're doing. Because I usually have to go so far past the sort of panic and freak out and yeah. into this land of like vocally, uh, aggressively just saying, just I'll just do whatever you tell me. And I have no more engagement. Just do what, just tell me what to do. I can imagine some uh, aggressive types with power not caring at all, mm-hmm. you know, and pushing yeah. nines into yeah. those spaces. Yeah, I I have a few instances from from our history that's not about you, but about people that we know that uh, like it. Basically, I had to say to them, "I'll I'll do whatever you tell me," but know that it's because I 
understand that you have taken all of my power now. Yeah, right? And I'm not in charge of this anymore, so what what do you want me to do? Yeah. I don't know if what, what I'm pushing towards there. If you have a six in your life who already lives in that space and perhaps knows what it's like yeah. for folks to... to you know, to run them too too hard, too far, take advantage of their energies. I would assume that that would be, again, kind of one of those commiseration mm-hmm. spaces. Well, and and also the the six offers the while, while they may not be able to demonstrate it, they can see it clearly enough to to snap the nine out of it, right. To, to say, hey, you've gone too far into the unhealthy part of what I where I live, and you need to get your crap together. Yeah. Because now you're letting someone someone take advantage of you with full knowledge. That's, that's exactly a, what I'm yeah. pointing at. Yeah. yeah. And that's why that relationship on, on the line is really going to be valuable. Yeah. That's, you, you're in that space. You need to rise to the high side and and have knowledge of what's taking place. Right. Right. I've, I, I have allowed resignation to join with uh, my anxiety in a way yep. that I basically let someone else decide how I live. And, yep. and she comes alongside that and says, nope, wake up. It's not okay. <laughs> that's Get a, out of that's this. A, that's a great way to, to picture that. Good. I'm glad there was something. There was a nugget yep. there. I knew there yep. was a nugget there. I just had yeah. to keep digging. On the flip side... One of the reasons I, it seems to me that sixes can commonly be attracted to nines is the the peace that nines are going to offer, the calm that nines are going to offer really does counterbalance mm-hmm. that anxiety. And so the agitated energy of the six, when when paired with an easygoing nine, that's going to be just a balm, yeah? Yeah. And even a... Um, like, because nines... Knights don't ever want to do the work for someone else, you know, but, but there's, there's so much of, of a, a good relationship with a six that requires the other person, not necessarily a nine, but, but anyone in a, in a partnership with a six, a, a lot of what that partnership is, is going to be either doing the thinking for the six or working with the six to help them think for themselves appropriately and and so much of what what takes place between me and my spouse has to do like like a lot of our discussions are much more about her needing to to get out all of the gunk and and just needing someone to be present to it i don't have to listen to a lot of what she says i just have to be there while she's talking and then uh, take the the bits and pieces that are important and say here's 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 the ones that you needed. Yep. I suppose this is where I, I want to avoid the word pulling into your security number because we use pulling to uh, about idealists, mm-hmm. but there's an invitation taking place for those in our security number, like an invitation for me moving from one to seven. It's an invitation into adventure, perhaps, or an invitation to get get going and mentally focusing on new things. Right. I, I assume for sixes, the invitation from nines is come over here. Mm-hmm. The water is warm and calm and comfortable. Yep. We got Mai Tais yep. and Bob Marley music over here. Yeah. And and you get to do whatever you want. It's great. 
<laughs> Nobody gets to tell you what to do. It's awesome. You can do whatever you want over here. It's it's so it's nice. There it is. You're offering no autonomy. Rules. Oh, it's great. No rules is about control. That's yeah. a good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, sure, there are lots of rules, but some of them don't matter. And over here, it's just like whatever. It's great. Yeah. Something that nines offer to sixes and ones. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, Correct. I think, I think you should set aside the rules for a second. Yeah. Well, Withdraw. The, like, so one of the things that, that my spouse and I regularly, they, this is a consistent, regular part of our relationship, is that she is very, very concerned about money to the point where it's it's problematic for her. And I am very unconcerned about money to the point where it's problematic for me. And so we come together and meet in this magical middle space where she's telling me all of the things that she's worried about. And I say, have you looked at her bank account? And she says, no. And she's so like, I take out my phone and I just show her like, is it okay for me to go to target today? And I just show her our bank account. And sometimes It's a number that reflects that she shouldn't go to Target today. (laughs) But usually it's it's just a really tangible way of me doing very little work to help her stop the thinking process. And just like, yep, we're fine. Stop worrying about it. It's over. And I didn't have to do anything. I just opened the bank account. I think that like that that dynamic of of the way that she brings her stress like her her normalness out and and reaches for that sort of security part of what I have to offer is is a is really complimentary and and in the same way the ways that I stress out she's she's already there to offer me some some support and help me stand back up and and get moving again. Yeah, commonly, I think for thinking repressed numbers, nines can be great allies because they step into that space of you're you're having a hard time getting your head around this. The voice Mm -hmm. of anxiety for sixes, the voice of self-criticism for ones, Mm -hmm. um, et cetera. Then nines can commonly be an outstanding counterbalancing voice and informative voice here for the six of let let me show you the facts that will not only meet your concerns, but actually soothe and calm your concerns. Mm-hmm. That would be the target, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Again, that that strikes me as, as a great example of why this is a common uh, common pairing. Yep. Anything anything else on uh, nines and sixes in relationship? Again, I'm I'm speaking sign- significantly from personal experience here, but I I think there's also a. a there's just a, a really important and significant facet here that that sixes bring a certain amount of doing all the things that are necessary, that are that are expected, that are important. That like sixes want to make sure that they they don't get in trouble, so they do all of the things, uh, all of the things that are quote unquote expected of them, and nines forget their lives a lot, but they understand how to relax. And I think the way that those, that those, 
this pairing sort of complements and contrasts each other in these ways. Like there, there's such a good possibility of being really good for each other because the six is going to help the nine get the things done and the nine is going to help the six calm down a little bit. But also there's a very real possibility here of them sort of like missing those marks with each other and, and almost shooting past each other. The uh, nines in my experience have a tremendous amount of patience and, and that really helps partner with the sixes sort of continually struggling with the same sorts of thoughts. Yeah, that's a good call. But it also would become really easy for a nine to start tuning out all of that stuff in the same way. Like it, it's, it's great that like my, my partner takes care of so many things that I don't think about, but it's really easy for me to let go and just let her take right. care of all of the, the important life stuff and, 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 there's great things about how we complement each other. And if we let ourselves go, it would be very easy for us to let those complementary things become the only thing about our relationship. And now we're standing on opposite sides of a chasm. Right. Yep. So. That's a good word. Uh, last pairing here. We'll, we'll talk about ones and ones in their stress move. Go to four. So the relationship between ones and fours. This, uh, I don't think this pairing is as common, and we'll probably see why, but it is an important set of relationships. And since like we've talked about romance, um, but I have a one-four relationship, and it's with my brother. And mm -hmm. he's a four, and so I do understand this relationship in terms of just tight relationships in this sort of dynamic, again, we're talking about thing with ones and fours. Both are idealists. They want to, you know, engage and, you know, bring beauty into the world. Often have idealistic ambitions, visions, fantasies. They both can experience anger in similar ways, mm -hmm. uh, kind of explosive ways, uh, uh, spilling ways. Um, both ones and fours are going to connect to other people as idealists do by pulling them into their cares. So it, it fours are withdrawn, but oftentimes fours, if they're in relationship, they actually are taking the lead. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. In a, in a sense of like pulling the other person into the emotional depth of the relationship. Yeah. So when fours do connect with others, uh, fours often can have, for example, great relationships with twos. Mm -hmm. And in a two-four relationship, it's often the four who's the one who's saying, hey, come over here. Or fours, and I have, I have good friends who are four-six couple. And the the lead of the, the energy is very much, you know, the, the four. I suppose both of those are reactive types. Twos and sixes are reactive types. But, yeah, it's it seems like... That can be a big part of it. Yeah. it uh, fours are setting the table a lot of times for what we're going to eat. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to be in, in a relationship with me, it's going to be in, you know, in these spaces. Right. I suppose, uh, lastly, both both ones and fours can come across as self-righteous, and they can both come across as self-pitying at times, it seems to me. And just worth naming in terms of 
when in relationship, these are going to be some of the dynamics at play. I do not disagree with that statement, and I really hope that ones and fours do not focus on that <laughs> single sentence. Nine that you are, you would just you know, don't don't that's, judge yourself too harsh. That's, that's not the only thing that we're saying. <laughs> that is one of many things. <laughs> Self pitying. Um. So no. <laughs> the. Uh, Complementary side, I think, are really interesting here. The idealism moves into the body with ones. The idealism moves into the emotions with fours. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of the stuff that we see comes out of that. Um, ones are going to be very present-focused, and fours are going to be almost entirely past-focused. Right. And that's, that's going to be a big part of the dynamic here. Um, ones are going to be duty-focused, and, and you know, what, what is mine to do? do mm-hmm. and I engage the world through doing whereas fours are feeling focused and engaging the world through emotional um, it seems to me that ones this isn't always a positive but ones are more consistent than fours fours have an adaptability a changeability that yes. they can push into yep there is the judgmentalism of a one that's different than that of a four, which seems to be much more about comparison, especially how I compare with other people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The ones don't necessarily, they judge, but it's not in a comparative way. Well, and it's, it's almost as if like they, like a lot of these things that are sort of, that are contrasting between these two types. I think if you, especially nine that I am, if, if you step back a little bit, you see that they're the same thing just from opposite directions. And I think that the judgment and the comparison are actually really good examples of that because yep. there's at the core of it, there's a, a level of how am I in relation to the people I see around me? And I think from the one side, it's needing to make sure that I am following the rules, doing what's expected. Like, like the judgmentalism is almost, I am above that. I, at at least I'm not like that. And from the four perspective, it's from, from the other side looking in it's, it's why can't I, what, what's wrong with me that prevents me from being like them? Yeah. For the, I suppose for the one, the way that I would, phrase that just differently is something like I'm judging this thing as trash and it's a good thing I can judge it as trash because I don't want it to get inside me. Yeah. That's where the judgment is coming out. And so I'm going to avoid this thing that might be Mm -hmm. toxic. Yep. Um, Whereas for fours, the comparative nature comes into play and that's a relational comparison. Right. Not not necessarily always the case with ones. Right. There's a self-denying side to ones, uh, almost a dutiful self-denial, whereas fours will elevate themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a preference for what is true coming from ones as almost foundational. Fours care about what's true, but there is a even more of a preference for what's, what's unique. It's, mm. And I think those are different in terms of like the the one grounding themselves on this is the truth and that's mm-hmm. where I'm putting all my chips. Sure. That's not where the four is putting all their chips. The right. four is putting all their chips on this is special, needs to be identified yeah. as special. Yeah. And again, I, I, I think that um, 
that's true. And also, I think that the the one thinks there is an objective yep. truth, and I am the one who sees the objective truth. Yep. And I think fours think there is no objective truth, and yep. it is important that we all live into our individual subjective truth, yep. representing, like, and that manifests as one's leaning into this this sense of of duty to what is true while the rest of us see ones and it's like okay but that's your truth whatever and fours have such a heavy emphasis on authenticity from your own perspective exactly right that may in fact be the biggest difference between these two Mm -hmm. is coming to the world the one wants the clear perspective the objective perspective the four not only knows that the world is seen subjectively, but even desires it, wants to emphasize it, wants to triple down on how I see the world is valuable. Yep. In the one wants everybody to see, here are the facts, here's how things ought to be, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Right. That makes it, ones can end up focusing really heavily on social issues, how things are structured, et cetera, whereas fours often because of this are going to be much more. Here's the personal issues. Here's mm-hmm. the things that matter right. to me. Right. Any other comparisons? Yeah, I think that the, I realistically, I think all of it comes from like, if you can really dial in on the fact that they, they're both idealists, but one type sees the world a certain way and they think that their way of seeing is the only one. <laughs> And the mm-hmm. other type sees the world a certain way and they think that their way of seeing is the only one, but it's true for every, like, like the, that, that I think is one of the biggest things that like the, these are exactly the same, but because of the way that they see it, they're, it manifests so, so differently. I could only think of one romantic couple. I could only think of one pairing just in general, but Thankfully, we actually spent a lot of time doing this pairing, so I can say it with a lot of confidence. The The one romantic pairing I saw was Leia and Han, mm-hmm. and it's going to illustrate a lot of this. Yeah. You'll notice, again, Han, she's a princess, and she has social justice on her mind, and yet he is pulling her into spaces where he is seeking to establish the lead, as it were. Mm-hmm. She is clearly a leader, yeah, and still... When it's in the relationship, you can you can spell it, you can note how the dynamics work, right? Um, am I wrong in saying it that way? It, fe- it feels like a, so much of his energy colors their colors the conversation they're having. Yeah, I agree with that, and I I think that the the place where she sort of begins to dominate that particular aspect is a lot of the stuff that we never saw. Yes, he yeah. he's he's signed up to be part of the military, to be part yeah. of the rebellion. So yeah. she clearly has brought him there, right? And yet, when he gets his chance, <laughs> we're we're getting on my ship, going over here, away mm-hmm. from all of this action. Yeah, and now and, you're and in my even, wheelhouse. Yeah, so much of his of of their dynamic together like specifically thinking about their relationship and not like the, the fact that the, 
they're actually fighting war and all of the war aspects, like the, the relationship parts of their stuff. What we see on screen with them has so much to do with him trying to draw her out of her heavy focus on being a general and fighting this fight and, and move into this place of sort of emotional, relational connection. Yeah. That's what he's doing. And then the thing that, that they don't show, they just sort of acknowledge in a, in a roundabout kind of way is that at the end of the day, she had a sense of duty and that became yep. more important yep. than his unwillingness to sort of like calm down. There it is. Yeah. He and had to be was... himself. And so he left and she oh. had a responsibility. Yep. So she stayed. <laughs> that is exactly how that works. Yeah. Their most famous interchange, I love you, I know, illustrates the point mm -hmm. of this is a person who finally, for the first time, uh, after two whole movies, <laughs> is <laughs> declaring her care and the self-elevation there of his own emotional experience and and engagement of that fact is what's mm -hmm. is what's on his mind yeah anyway i love that uh, one other thing that i think is is hilarious i hadn't thought of han shares leia on the stress number but he shares chewy on the security number mm, we, nice. we type chewy as a two so yeah. <laughs> it's just him sitting like in that. that spot so we'll talk about that at another point in time but and i laugh. think that's also a good example of like like you could only think of one. I I can't think of any actual pairings in in real life, not just pop culture of of ones and fours. Uh, and I see in real life, I see a lot of ones and fours can have intense but also volatile relationships. Yeah, that like you you have to you have to lay a lot of groundwork over a lot of over a lot of time in order yep. for there to be something that, that these two types keep coming back for. If you were to look at the Enneagram symbol, the traditional Enneagram symbol, the line between eight and five mirrors the line between one and four mm -hmm. in terms of the trajectory. And again, it's kind of the, the eight and one pulling the four and the five into their bodies. Yeah. But the dynamics, I think, at work in those relationships, real similar on that front. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's not yin yang ones and fours because ones are reactive types, right? But uh, you're entirely right. Like there's almost a the the idealism uh, one sevens and fours when they're in relationships. Mm -hmm. You can't you just can't live there e easily sometimes. Right. That, you know there there have to be ways of navigating out of that. Yep. Um, that idealism honor. carries a lot of weight yeah, with these types. Right. Yeah. It's so powerful that like you can you can see where things are gonna break down, you know. It's right. exactly as you were saying in this relationship. Her ideals for how the you know the rebellion's gonna go versus his ideals for how his emotional life, those will eventually come into conflict. Right. And that's why, and it's worth naming the long, long lasting relationships. I imagine, and and I can think of relationships with ones and sevens as uh, on this front as well. Like I think there, there's just more of a, um, this is your space, this is my space, and we need to honor each other's. It's real love to honor each other's ideals along those 
spaces, I suppose. Right. Bang. Well, the move then ends up being ones are going to go to foreign stress. And again, that list of the foreignness can be incredibly healthy for, for ones, especially if they have fours in their lives who are really, really healthy. And I, I know this just from personal experience, The and I've said it a handful of times, but some of the real relationships I treasure are healthy fours. Mm-hmm. I have a really difficult time with unhealthy fours. Yeah. Part of that's my judgmentalism. Part of that's my oneness that I'm averse. Here's, you know, to... I, I can see unhealthy fours and they like represent for me in my heart. That's, that's like me at my worst self. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think, and this is, this is entirely about you and not necessarily a statement about ones, but I think that you particularly see unhealth in fours more than you clearly see unhealth in any other type. Yeah. I also have a, I suppose I have a radar for what I can improve. Mm-hmm. And so in, if you have a radar for what you can improve, you also have a radar for what's really broken. Yeah. You know, and I think that's and some of it comes out in that space. It's like, can we actually move you from here to there? Maybe, maybe not. I'm going to, you know, it's that sort of thing. But right. but also I don't like this is this is actually we brought up comedies uh, with our recent deep dive into Clue. One mm-hmm. of the reasons I don't I, I think I don't like a lot of modern comedies, contemporary comedies ends up being because so much of the humor is based on on uh, what would you call this? Like making you feel awkward. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a name uncomfortable for this. humor. It's uh, yeah, I don't know what it is, what it's called, but yeah, the office. Yeah, the thing about the office. I think the office is hilarious. The office makes me feel so uncomfortable. Yeah, and like my wife just loves the hell out of it because of the you know that uncomfortable. And I just so same story with unhealthy force. It's like that same yeah. kind of reaction, but the. Move for me into subjective space and focusing on my feelings, incredibly helpful mm-hmm. when things have broken. Yeah. If I'm in the world trying to, I find a lot of value in what I accomplish. When I'm unable to accomplish the things I want to accomplish, one of the best moves for me is to stop trying to accomplish things and to move into heart space. Yeah. To withdraw into heart space. And to reassess how do I feel about these sorts of things to, to in fact, elevate myself over the tasks and duties like forward. Mm -hmm. And even to start seeing things in terms of relational connection as opposed to uh, doing connection, which is uh, a a term that I've just now decided to coin for a (laughs) part of how one see the world is that like their relationships are built by doing things together and the exact opposite is where fours live. Relationships mm. are built by being relational together and you don't have to do anything so long as you are connected. And uh, I, I think that that is one of the things that, that ones get in spades from that stress place at four is, is is a clearer understanding that that part of how they're relating to the world it, it's it's an introspection but it's also 
uh, an ability to see the connectedness in a different kind of way that has le- less or nothing to do with what you're doing together. Yeah, that's excellent. Another thing, I think uh, ones and twos may share this, is that we end up giving so much of ourselves out without really thinking about you know the fuel in our tank. Mm-hmm. as it were. We're not self-assessing. We're, we're moving into those spaces to improve, to help, to, you know, to earn what we desire. And that's not the best play a lot of times. Right. Um, so much of what you, like my 20s and 30s are me trying to help people or help improve people who don't necessarily need to be helped or improved, one. And two, I'm doing it at great cost to myself without thinking about you know, my own internal life and needs and et cetera. Right. And when that break. Yeah. This is a a solid example of the place where the, like the idealism of the one and the idealism, the four can be complementary, uh, or, or can at least help, uh, undo some of the damage that exists in that. Cause I, I, I think that like so much of one's idealism and that, that desire that need to improve insists that I behave a certain way and the opposite, I think available at the four says it's actually more important for you to be true than to like live in this black and white world that you've constructed for yourself. Yeah. To even go further than that, like the ideals the one have often are about, you know, doing the thing in the world Mm -hmm. in stress. I'm going to meet that four voice. That's going to say, you need to be idealistic about how you feel inside. Mm hmm. And that is a great foundation. Yeah. And it's like, it can't be overstated how important that can be. What's interesting to me is in terms of like the voices of four, fours who I care about, who love me, who are pouring into me, they can often come across when shoring up your, your feelings as woo woo, as like, like out of the box, you know, Mm -hmm. what we really need to do is step over here and smoke five cigars to today and really, delve into x y and z yeah and that's not where i'm naturally going right but if i do go there occasionally i will be shocked at how refreshed i feel right after the the thing i had poo-pooed you know yeah at the outset yeah because for you there are things to do to solve the problem yes and and when you get into that when ones get into that stressed place it's because there's not the, the thing that you did to solve the problem didn't work. And the four says, let's have some feelings about the problem. Yes. And, and, and that it's often the case that that's the thing that needs to be done. And to express those emotions. Right. And to right. do so in healthy, productive, uh, that's not even the right word, to express those emotions come what may. Right, right. Yeah, it it's the the idealism of a pro, of appropriately emo, like feeling and expressing the appropriate emotions is where ones live. Yeah, fours live in the idealism of feeling and expressing whatever emotions are right. true. And sometimes the one needs to yep. deal with the other emotions. Yep. One cares wannabe? about like the appropriateness isn't getting the job done. Yeah. 
Exactly. This is especially true when it comes to what's happened in the past. Mm -hmm. And ones don't naturally have a road to the past unless they access it through their stress number. Right. So if you're going to deal with the past, you're going to do it through four space. And then the question is, are you doing it well or are you doing it really badly? There's lots of ways you fall into stress about what has happened in the past. This is partially where that inner critic lives is actually, you screwed this up yesterday. Mm -hmm. But the high side of four, this is one of the things I truly value in my wife, is she also has access to thinking about the past and and uh, <laughs> thankfully for me, can reframe the past in right. very successful glowing terms that make <laughs> me feel just fantastic about myself. But, the, but four, as I imagine, the one going to four can also go to the high side and say, here's what's true, beautiful, worthy. Here's where everything has its place, even though it looked like it didn't go all that great. Yeah. Yeah, the, the it, it's almost like the, the one in an unhealthy stress will like see the ways that they didn't follow the script yeah. about how to handle these emotional situations or whatever. And the four will say, script? What's a script? <laughs> exactly right. Here is your unique past and it has value. Yep. Doesn't matter if it's perfect. It's not supposed to be perfect. It's yours. That's exactly it. Yeah. And that and that can be incredibly valuable. On the flip side then, fours being invited into one space in security, there's there's gonna be an, an opposite move. Sometimes objectivity can actually be incredibly helpful. And necessary. And it, Sometimes and it's really, really important. The placing a constraint, a Necessary, worthy constraint on some of your emotions can be a really healthy move for some fours. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why this just came into my mind, but I, I'm now right at this moment thinking a lot about compressors when it comes to sound. Okay. And, and part of how I learned what compressors are and what they're useful for is like it takes your lowest lows and your highest highs and just sort of you know smushes them a little bit. And, and while fours who are listening to this go, what, why would you want to do that? What one of the things that it does is it doesn't over, it means it doesn't overtax your sound system. Mm -hmm. When, when you have a speaker who is really good at the whispers and the quiets, but you need to be able to hear them. Like that dynamic is a problem because then people are turning up their headphones while they're listening and then they're, the regular sounding voice comes back on. It's like, ah, it's too loud. And then when they get really loud and vocal and yell, then people have to turn down their speakers. And when it comes back to the sound, now you can't hear what's... You, you all know, I hope, that you all know what I'm talking about when I say that when when there's too much dynamism, particularly in sound systems, it can be problematic. When there's too much dynamism in fours, in their emotional displays and understanding of themselves, I don't think it's bad to have to experience the fullness of emotion. But sometimes fours can miss out on 
good things in their life because they're more concerned about those high highs and low lows. And, and one of the things they can get from one is a compressor to help them like, you know, just cinch that up a little bit and it makes everything a little bit easier and less likely to break. Yeah. We've talked about it in the past. Moderation is a great good. Mm-hmm. Um, that and balance is really the target of the Eagram and four fours. Everybody needs balance in different ways Four fours. That's clearly one of the places. Yeah. Right. The most obvious, uh, move of ones inviting fours, dare I say forward ends up being to become more present. Yeah. And to get into their bodies. Yeah. Fours can get stuck in the past. And because they're stuck in the past, they're not doing anything. Right. And accessing whatever that gear is of, of saying the past is really valuable. It absolutely has its place. But now we're going to set the past aside for a moment and move. That, that is, that's a big time step. And uh, that's, that's what, you know, action repression, getting past your action repression can look like. Yeah, pick pick a thing and do it, and and with ones, the part of the offering there is like like when when we talk about the idealism of uh, a right way versus a wrong way, and uh, fours who have an idealism of all the ways are equally valid, uh, the part of what fours can get in that security move is like, you know, it's okay to just pick one and say that that like. It, it it's sometimes okay to let there be a dualism, a, a like a narrowing of the field, if you will. Right. Yeah. I hadn't thought about this, but like the the image of equanimity for fours, that balancing, but for mm-hmm. ones, it's going to be you know holy order and that serenity that comes. Both those can be experienced on this line. If you can, if you can, uh, if you can grab a hold of the tools available on this line, right. um, equanimity for fours and and serenity for ones, it can come because because you're engaging this element of uh, right. of your type. And by the way, I don't know that it's been said. Like uh, it, I've, we have kind of been casting it as you're a type, and this other number is separate from you. But of course, that's not how things work. I, I don't know if we've mentioned this on air, but a, a real helpful image for me recently has been that you you really are coming to the world as your type, but but as you expand, as your personality grabs hold of things, you have like you're you're made to kind of fill that space into your security number, your stress number, and into both of your wings. Mm-hmm. That that actually is is a holistic way of seeing your experience, your type is your type. It's kind of the, it's the hub, it's the root, it's the thing from which everything else grows. But all those tools, all those experiences and, you know, and, and uh, virtues are available to you in these mm-hmm. spaces. We just have to figure out how to get to them. Right. Yeah. And relationships can be a great way to gain access there. I suppose yeah. something worth naming as well is, there's a temptation here, especially if you're in a romantic partnership with somebody on the lines, is to outsource some of these virtues to the other person. Right. You know, 
And that, so, that is very common. That's that's something that I do with Joni for sure, and she does with me for sure. Yep. And I see that a lot in the uh, some of the eight and two relationships that I yep. see, and the eight and fives, and yeah. Yep. Very common. I think I think there it's one thing to be up, uh, you know, a union as it were, and to to come forward as, you know, we we are perhaps in a romantic relationship. You are wed. You know, the two become one kind of image. And so that that can take place. But if the eight is always running interference for the five, allowing the five to, to lock down and stay withdrawn, mm-hmm. that's not a good thing. Right. And so having real knowledge of, of, of where it, it, it's yours to grow in these spaces can be incredibly important. What's interesting, I think, with relationships on these fronts is each of us kind of have space even further. So the nine can move into three space as well. The more the more the six moves into nine space. Mm-hmm. You know, there there is space for us to expand. And it's not like oh, now there's two nines in relationship if the six gets really, really healthy on the nine side, as it were. Right, right. Yeah, there's... Uh interdependence is such an interesting thing because we that we desperately need i i desperately need my partner to help me fill in the gaps of the things that i'm bad at and if i only let her if i if all i do for the rest of my life is let her fill in those gaps then mm-hmm. i will become a less whole person mm-hmm. and and so like a part of my work is is to work on those things so that someday she doesn't have to fill in those gaps. That's a good place to that's a good place to land the plane, I think. Yeah. Bang. Well, friends, it would mean the world to us if you share this episode with somebody you love, preferably somebody who who you share a line with, maybe. This yeah. could be a great conversation point it seems to me we are going to hit the head triad and the heart triad in uh, upcoming episodes so we won't leave you hanging and uh love the love the hell out of what we're doing this year uh not only is start here start here is doing great in terms of like we've had we have a few hundred people who are typing uh through through that podcast so if you or somebody that you love needs to just get your head around your enneagram type we have a podcast called start here and uh, it's our tool for, for typing. Second, and the catalog is filling out, is uh, our movie typing podcast. We have just released our first uh, unique to that platform, deep dive into one of TJ and I's favorite movies, oh, so the 19, 1985 classic Clue. This I is an ensemble film. So much. <laughs> Flames. Flames. Love this movie so much. That's a good one. I just realized that in our, uh, we had a uh, interview with Steve Morris, who's a who I'm a huge fan of. He came on for our uh, Fight Club deep dive, and he used the phrase over and over again. I would say, um, anyway, make a long story short, and he kept going too late, too late, too late. <laughs> he did it like three or four times because I was talking way too much. <laughs> And, and now I'm laughing because I was like, oh, see, I'm, I missed that. That was a clue reference. I'm pretty sure I didn't miss that, but I <laughs> wouldn't have said anything about it. Because <laughs> I'm a nine. <laughs>
because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> see see the earlier portions of this uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah. Intro music's by The Collection. Outro music here is by Brian Claxton. And if you love this podcast and want to uh, engage it more, you can find us on Patreon if you want to support us. Uh, We always love um, contributions that help us get the tools that we need to make this move. Uh, But you can find all the links to all of our stuff at aroundthecircle.org, which includes links to us meeting monthly online. And we would love to have you if you're interested in talking shop with us once a month. So that's what I got. Did I forget anything there? I don't think so. He's DJ Wilson. He's officially awesome. I'm Jeff Cook. Who you aren't isn't interesting. <laughs>